Turn with me, please, to the, to the book of Romans, please. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brethren? For I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. But the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. Verse 4, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Please repeat these words after me, please. A new relationship. Say just one more time, a new relationship. You may be seated. Of course, the theme of the book of Romans is salvation by faith. The key verse of the book of Romans is Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. The expansion verse of the theme is verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul begins to talk about man's need for salvation by faith and through the grace of Almighty God. The latter part of chapter 1, he discusses God's righteous anger at the general wickedness and sinfulness of mankind. Then in chapter 2, he focuses his argument on Jewish individuals and even Jewish believers who were in the church. The Jews in the church felt that they were better than the Gentiles. And the church was probably made up of a predominance of Jews who had been converted to Christianity. The focus of the Jewish faith was that we are saved by works. We are saved by obeying the law by doing the things that the law commands and many Jews who became Christians brought their Jewish beliefs regarding salvation into the Christian church but Paul points out in chapters 2 and chapters 3 that the Jews were also under sin and under condemnation in chapter 3 verse 9 he says that all the world was guilty before God. 
And in 319, he says that nobody has really kept the law and nobody can keep the law in and of and by themselves. You can't do this by yourself. And so Romans 3 and verse 20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and by the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Don't you feel you got this by yourself? And don't you feel like you've always had it? If we check the record of every life in this room, either by sins of commission or omission, by sins of thought, by sins of action, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And verse 28 of chapter 3 says, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. And so the implication of what Paul is sharing with him is that if they continue to rely on their works to bring them salvation, then their faith was not really in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Either you're going to rely on your righteousness are you going to rely on his righteousness? How many of you want to rely on his righteousness? Well, Paul then takes us to Galatians chapter 5 and one's, uh, verse 1 uh, where he tells us, listen, you've got to stand fast in your faith and in your commitment in Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 1 uh, of Galatians chapter 5, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. He said, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised or if you try to keep the whole law, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised or, or who feels that you must do this ritual to be saved that he is a debtor to the whole law. And when you rely on the law, you become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But faith working through love is what accomplishes the objectives and the goals of God in our lives. And so let's go back to Romans chapter 6 verse 1 now. And the Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Some who would hear this preaching of the gospel of grace would say then, well, it doesn't make any difference how I live. Or what I do, if it's all the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus, then I can do my thing. 
and let happen whatever I want to have happen in my life. But then Paul in Romans 6 and 1 says, no, we can't continue in sin that grace may abound. Certainly not, verse 2. For how shall we who died to sin live any longer in sin? Verse 5, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, then we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And then read in verse 11, for it says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, the Jews sometimes, I'm told, have a tradition or a practice some of them, and it's sometimes, that when a son or a daughter had disgraced the family and disrespected the parents and alienated themselves, the parents would go to the cemetery, have an imaginary burial, and they would bury that child in their imagination and say that this child no longer lives, this child no longer has any relevance, any relationship with me. And then when someone would mention to them the name of that child, they would say, oh, that child is dead. I don't know that child. That child no longer has any existence. And this is what Paul is saying, that when you relate uh, to Jesus Christ and put your faith in him, you began to live in him. And the old man, old woman that you were is reckoned to be dead. And whenever the interest or the concerns or the mention of the old man is made, you say, oh, no, 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 that man is dead. That woman is dead. That woman of sin, that woman of unrighteousness, that man of hatred no longer lives. He's dead. I've got a, I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. Are there any new people in Christ Jesus today? So he said in verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. Well, let me read on a little bit further. Let's go on down to verse um, 19, verse 19 of Romans uh, chapter 6. Um, and verse 19 says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness unto our Lord Jesus Christ. That faith that is given to us, that faith that we have in Jesus positions us in Jesus Christ. So that we no longer see our existence or our life beyond him, outside him, are dependent on the law. Our life is dependent on the new relationship that we've established with Jesus Christ. And so we position ourselves in Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life but the Greek word in is really into whosoever believeth into him shall not perish but have everlasting life and so we position ourselves into Christ in Christ just like I positioned myself too many times on the airplane I gotta be in New York today tonight gotta preach tonight so I get on the airplane I fasten the seatbelt 
and the airplane does the rest. I fly 600 miles an hour. I go 35,000 feet in the air. Five or six hours later, I'm walking around in New York because I positioned myself in the airplane and I accomplished something that I could never have done on my own. And so when you are in Christ, you have altogether new capacities that you never, ever had before that time. I'm not going to New York tonight. I'm going to be here tonight, right at the North Campus, looking for you. But I just use that as an example. When Christ died on the cross, we died in him. And in him, all the demands of the law are satisfied. All the demands of the law are met in him. The law can no longer hold us hostage when we are in Christ. And without the law, there can be no transgression. There can be no sin. If the red light is there, I got to stop sometime. But if the signal light is off, if it's not working, I can get through the intersection any kind of way I feel is best. So we are freed from the domination of the law and we are freed from the dominion of sin so that we can live according to the principles of a new nation and of a new kingdom. You're subject to the laws of the nation where you reside. You're subject to the laws of the nation where you are a citizen. But when you become a citizen of a new nation, that has new laws and new responsibilities and new rights, then you are freed from the laws of the old nation. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We represent the kingdom of God in this earth. And we have diplomatic immunity from those things that pertain to the law, the rituals, the traditions, the rights, the obligation by our own effort to obtain the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace of God. We died to the law and we died to sin in Christ Jesus so that we no longer stand before God for his judgment. We no longer stand before God. We in Christ Jesus by faith stand in him so that God sees only Jesus when we position ourselves in Christ. And then when Jesus arose from the dead, we arose with him. And so we were in him on the cross. When he died, our faith was in him, our trust, our confidence. We positioned ourselves in him. When he died on the cross, met all the demands of the law, and we were positioned in him when he arose again from the dead so that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. I wish somebody would get happy with me. Hallelujah. We rise to a new life of righteousness and a new life of victory. Righteous living is a result of being in Christ. <laughs> Amen. It's a result of being a new person in Christ. He makes us new. He creates within us a capacity for righteousness that we did not have before. It is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so when you're in him and saturated in him, he will work in you. 
both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Righteous living is a result not only of being in Christ, it's a result of being in love with Christ. Oh, when you really fall in love with him. Oh, I don't just mean afraid of him or uh, uh, honoring him or uh, uh, giving your uh, consent uh, to, to be a member of the church or uh, 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 calling yourself a Christian. No, in love with Christ. When you're really in love with Christ, righteous living becomes easy. And when you're in love with him, you fall out of love with other stuff, fall out of love with yourself, fall out of love with your passions, fall out of love with your lust, fall out of love with your will, fall out of love with your pride and fall in love with Jesus, you tell everybody, bow down to the one I love. I'm in love with Jesus. Therefore, I'm going to live. Then, righteous living is a result of seeing yourself as a servant of Christ. A servant of Christ. Now, most of you all can serve your superiors. You can serve your employer. Really wish you were on vacation somewhere. Wish you were on the on the, on the Mexican Riviera somewhere, enjoying yourself. But you, because you are a servant of your organization, you show up on time, do your work while they're looking, <laughs> perform your responsibilities. If you got to leave, you get permission to leave, authorization to leave. You follow the policies of the corporation or the organization for which you work. Amen. You saved according to that organization. You live a saved life at work based on what they tell you to do. And if you can obey at work, how come you can't obey the word of Almighty God that would have you to do His will when you see yourself as a servant of the Lord? Most of us got the wrong impression. We feel that the Lord is supposed to serve us, prosper us, bless us, but we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. We belong to him. We are his servants. And when you really understand that you are his servant, you can live righteously. And then righteous living is a result of being a child of God. As many as believed on him, he gave power to become the sons of God. Even as many as believe on his name. Listen, your family pride ought to guide you sometime. Amen. Some things you ought to do just because you are who you are and your mama is who she was and your daddy was who he was and you would say, us Joneses just don't do that. Us Joneses just don't. And there's a, there's a time when you as a child of God ought to say, listen, us children of God just don't do that. We're, we're children of our father. He loved us and gave us salvation and there are just some things we don't consent to. There are just some things we don't get involved in. We share his nature. We share his likeness. Righteous living is a result of being alive to Jesus Christ. He said, listen, I reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know that sister you got mad at that you wouldn't talk to? You'd come in the same room with her and wouldn't even speak to her. It was as if she was dead. You'd give her the hand even if she came in your direction. Uh, uh, no, I'm dead to you. No, you no longer exist to me. I, I'm, uh, when I'm through, I'm through. Now go on about your business and leave me. You know, that's just the way you got to talk to the flesh. Hey, it's over. You out. Jesus is the Lord of my life. 
You, 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 you are my past, Jesus is my present, and my future is over. When Jesus brings you life, when you begin to live in him, you begin to feed that spiritual man and starve the man of the flesh. But now finally we come to the text in chapter 7. Paul illustrates all of this by comparing a bad marriage to bondage to the law and to sin. I said in chapter 7, he begins to compare a bad marriage. Anybody know anything in here about bad marriages? A bad marriage to our bondage to the law and to sin. And then he compares a good marriage to our relationship to Christ and our relationship with Christ. A bad marriage is to bondage and to sin and the law. A good marriage is to Jesus Christ and to faith. How many of you know there are good marriages and they are bad? Uh-huh. Yes, there are, there are, there are good marriages and there are bad marriages. I, I hate to say it. And we had no choice about being married to the law. No choice about being married to sin. All who have sinned all who are born in sin are married to sin and they are, they are married to the law. And all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't have a choice about it. We're married to the law. We're married to sin. But you do have a choice about who you marry on this earth. At least you did have a choice. Uh-huh. You have a choice. And you ought to make an intelligent choice. Amen. You just don't jump into marriage with the first person you meet. Anybody that comes along. Don't just jump into it by mathematics. 36, at somebody's bank book seeing how much money he's got in the bank. You have a choice. You should make an intelligent choice. You really need to let the Lord help you, guide you, direct you. Because man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And you need to check the Lord and say, Lord, what do you see inside this person? that I'm considering, that I'm looking at, that I'm thinking about coming um, one with. Listen, get some counseling from somebody. Find out who knew them before you met them. Find out how they behaved down there in Georgia before they moved out to California. Amen. Marriage is sacred. It's not by it to be entered into lightly. <laughs> but devoutly and reverently and seriously and thoughtfully and in the fear of Almighty God. It's a sacred moment. Marriage is a sacred moment and it takes place before God. Watch the music you have in your marriage, in your wedding ceremony. Amen. Watch the folk who come to the altar with you in your ceremony. Make, make sure that you understand God I'm not only here to make these vows before you, I'm here to get your blessing and your help on my marriage because I want my marriage to survive because marriage is for life. Look at your neighbor and say, marriage is for life. 
Not till you figure out you made a mistake for life. If you're married and you feel like you made a mistake, live with it. It's easy to make a bad marriage a good marriage than it is to start all over again and try to succeed with somebody who's going to be just as bad as the one you married in the first place. I see somebody saying, huh? Oh. You made your vow before God. You said, Lord, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. Amen. But the law was a bad mate because there was no way on earth we could do what the law demanded we should do. Because the Bible says, he that keepeth the whole law and yet offendeth in one point is guilty of the whole. You don't have to break every law to go to jail. You break one law and you'll go to jail. You don't have to have every disease to die. You get one disease, you will die. And so with all the efforts that men made to abide by the law, they could not come up to the demands of the law. And some people make demands of folk in marriage that there's no way they can come up to the demands. Always finding fault. Always criticizing. Always fussing and complaining about one thing after another. When one thing gets fixed, they find something else to complain about. And the law just caught us in every direction that we went. If we did this law and obeyed this law, then there was another law that we could not obey, another law that we could not keep. And then some marriages are not only filled with, with unacceptability and with criticism and negativity, there are some marriages that are based on fear. Our marriage to the law was based on fear. If we didn't do what the law said, we felt like God was going to bring down fire upon us and destroy us under the old covenant. And there are some marital relationships that are based on fear. Nobody have to, ought to have to live with you and be afraid of you. Amen. Amen. I love Sister Blake, but if I got to beat Sister Blake up, then I, I need to go on about my business somewhere. Amen. Especially when I don't know what Sister Blake got under that pillow or back around in that closet somewhere. Mm -hmm. The law makes great demands on us. And the law gave few rewards to us. It always demanded more. And some relationships are that same way. Have you ever been with somebody that every time you tried to meet one demand and come to one level, there was another command and they carried you to another level? Some relationships are built uh, based on tension and there was always a tension in the law. We, we were always under stress, under a strain, trying to meet the demands and obey the mandates of the law. Some relationships are doomed to sorrow and the Bible says that our relationship with the law is doomed to sorrow because the wages of sin is death. Hallelujah. Though the law is a poor mate, the only way out of our marriage to the law was death. I said, though the law was a poor mate, the only way out of it was death. 
And listen, marriage is intended to be ended only by death. Can I say it again? I'm jumping back and forth, aren't I? Marriage was intended to be ended only by death. Now, that doesn't mean that you try to worry your mate to death. Criticize your mate to death. Harass your mate to death. Starve your mate to death. Deprive your mate to death. No, while you're doing everything you can that your mate should live, it can only be ended by death. Until death do us part. Not until you get interested in somebody else. Amen. One great Christian leader who gives advice and does all kind of talk shows on the television and shares and uh, someone asked him that if my mate becomes critically ill, if they uh, become afflicted by Alzheimer's and are no longer responsive to me, what should I do? And he said, well, listen, they're literally dead. You can just uh, pack up and move on out and go find you somebody else and, and go your way. And there was an outcry all across the nation, mine involved. Listen, if your mate becomes sick, that's what you said, uh, in sickness and in health, in riches and in poverty until death do us part. Listen, you've got to stand there because you would hope that somebody would stand there with you if the same thing were to happen to you. We were married to sin. We were married to the law and we were married to them until death. But Romans 5 and 8 says, for when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so his death ends the domination and the rule of the law in our lives. No longer do we have to make it on our own, by our own might, by our own strength, and of the salvation of God, we position ourselves in Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for us and the Father looked down upon him and said, listen, this is my son. He has offered up an acceptable offering unto me and I receive it and I receive all who will believe in him by faith and that's you and that's me and we ought to praise God for it come on clap your hands and give praise to God and when he arose again from the dead we arose in him and thus we are freed from the domination of the law and from domination of sin that we might be married to Christ though the law was a poor mate Jesus is a good mate. Anybody in here that knows that Jesus is a good mate? Well, now let me tell you a few things that a good mate will do. A good mate will love you. I said a good mate will love you. Not love what you have. Not love what you offer. But love you. Isn't there somebody who's looking for somebody who's really interested in them? Not what they can do. Somebody came up to me the other day and said, hey, Brother Pastor, if you've got any real good millionaires in this church that want to get married, I'd like for you to introduce them to me. Well, I want to ask, well, what you got? <laughs> what do you bring to the table? What do you have to offer? But listen, you're coming from the wrong direction. You need to find somebody that loves you. And somebody that you can really love. Because a good mate will love you. 
Amen. Somebody asked a lady, listen, what do you uh, find most interesting in a man? What I find most interesting in a man is whether that man finds me interesting or not. You'll get it when you go home. No matter how great he is, if he doesn't (laughs) have any concern or interest in you, then that's not going to do you any good. But a good mate loves you. And a good mate loves you intensely. Loves you when you're in a good mood and loves you when you're in a bad mood. Loves you when you please them and loves you when you don't please them. Because a good mate will just love you. And Jesus is a good mate. Because he loves us. The Bible says, greater love hath no man than that a man would lay down his life for his sins. When we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And so Jesus is a good mate because he loves us. And not only does he love us, but a good mate is interested in you. A good mate is not just so wrapped up in themselves that they don't want to hear about your concerns or hear about your pursuits. A good mate is interested in how things are going in your life and is interested in the things that cause you problems and difficulty in your life. But not only is a good mate interested in you, Jesus is interested in you also. Oh yes, he is. We have not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but who was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. And therefore we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. I don't care who you are. Jesus is interested in you. He's concerned about your aspirations. He's concerned about your challenges. He's concerned about your problems. But not only is a good mate interested in you, a good mate understands you. You don't even have to talk about it. You don't even have to describe it. But somehow when you've gone through something, your mate could just almost lay his hand on your shoulder and say, I understand. I know how you feel. I know how such things impact you. And I'm so glad that Jesus is a good mate. And Jesus is a best mate because he understands all of my cares. He understands all of my problems. He understands all of the ordeals that I may confront. But not only does a good mate understand you, a good mate will forgive you oh yes she will oh yes he will and hallelujah we've got a savior that really understands and forgives us in the name of Jesus Jesus forgives though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow there are some mates who will say they forgive you But five days later, they're bringing the same thing up again and saying, listen, I forgave you for this, but I want to remind you of what you did last Saturday. They'll come back and talk about what you did five years ago and what you did 10 years ago. 
but the Bible says the Lord will take your sins and cast them into a sea of forgetfulness and he'll remember them no more and if somebody comes by and tries to fish them back up out of the sea to hold them before your face he puts a no fishing sign so nobody can do that when Jesus forgives you you are truly forgiven oh bless the name of God a good mate will set you free a good mate will liberate you you don't have to give them a report about what you did every minute of the 24-hour day you don't have to call in and give an excuse for being late from work you don't have to get their permission to breathe and to talk a good mate will say I know you love me and I know I love you now listen you go on and have your day and accomplish your objectives I know when you get through you'll come back home to me and the Lord sets us free for the Bible says he whom the Son sets free is free indeed a good mate will help you blossom a good mate will help you grow a good mate will help you flourish they'll encourage your aspirations they won't put thumbs down on your dreams there are so many folk who are living with a dream killer rather than a dream enabler a dream enabler will say honey go ahead I know it's going to be rough but you can make it anyhow pursue your dream I'll struggle with you I'll sacrifice with you I'll work with you until the dream comes to pass but a bad mate will say no it's not gonna work I'm not with it I'm not in favor of it don't even begin to try it but Jesus is a good mate because he said I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly you might feel that Jesus would bring restrictions into your life you might feel that Jesus would build a fence around your attainments but Jesus can make you more of a man than you ever thought you could be Jesus can make you more of a woman than you ever dreamed you could be Jesus can take you higher than you ever thought you could go he's come to give you life and more abundant life a good mate is interested in your needs and he's interested in your desires and I'm so glad that I've got a, a savior who can meet all of my needs according to his riches in glory he's able I said he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask him or that we may think he's able to take you higher than you've ever gone before come on and praise him magnify him glorify him in Christ I've got joy in Christ I've got peace in Christ I've got salvation in Christ I've got forgiveness in Christ is everything 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 that I need finally a good mate 
will make sacrifices for you. If somebody says they love you and they won't do anything to assist you, they won't do anything to lift you, they won't do anything to encourage you, then they don't really love you. Oh, bless the name of God. A real husband who loves his wife wants his wife to come out looking good wants his wife to come out feeling good wants his wife to have a smile on her face a real good husband provides everything that he can for his wife and on the other hand a real good wife provides everything that she can for her husband everything she can give to lift her husband higher she's there to do it oh yes she is and Jesus is a real good mate because he provides everything we need he makes every sacrifice necessary for our well-being oh yes he does not only does he give us what we need but he was willing to die on an old rugged cross nails in his hands nails in his feet a crown of thorns on his skull his hands were outstretched and it was as if he would say I love you this much I love you enough to share my blood I love you enough to give my life I love you and I want to make you everything that I can I don't know about you but I'm a child of the king be careful how you treat me be careful how you deal with me I'm a royal child I'm adopted into the royal family I'm kept by the power of God I was nothing but Jesus found me and he married me brought me into the royal family I'm a member of the royal family and my father my father is rich in houses and lands he holdeth the wealth of the world in his hand I'm so glad I said I'm so glad I'm so glad that I know Jesus stand up everybody Jesus is the way Jesus is the truth Jesus is the life hallelujah some of you as you look back on your past and understand the wonder of the grace of God Jesus loved you when nobody else cared about you he loved you when you were on your way to hell and your life was a wreck but Jesus passed by a millionaire passed by a billionaire passed by a PhD passed by a king to get to you and he reached way down to where you were picked you up changed your life gave you joy unspeakable and full of glory and if you know what the Lord has done in your life you will praise him you will magnify him you will bless his name bless the Lord bless the Lord bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the Lord 
all my soul and forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord. He's worthy of my praise. Bless the Lord. He saved me and changed my life. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 If you think about it, you will give thanks about it. I said, if you think about it, you will give thanks about it. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Just look over at your neighbor and say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yadabasoko, yashoko bahasa, yadabasoko. Hallelujah, glory. Bless your name, bless your name, bless your name, bless your name. Would you tell three people, the Lord's been good to me. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Everybody in this room, I want you to picture yourself positioned in Christ. Fasten your seatbelt. See yourself sharing the capacities, the abilities of Jesus. See yourself depending on him. Understanding that in him is everything you need. I want you to see yourself doing what you cannot do by his power. Rising higher than you could ever go on your own. Accomplishing feats and accomplishments that you could never make by yourself. In the name of Jesus. I see your life more than you ever thought your life could be. God can bless you beyond your highest imagination. But it only happens as you are in him. You're not a leaf blown by the wind. You're not a twig on the tide. You're not lost to the waves of destiny and power and fate. God loves you. And in Christ, 
You are a new creature. And you can have new life in him. I want to pray for somebody today. I want to pray for somebody who's believed the report. I want to pray for somebody who's understood the word that has gone forth. Who understood that of all of your relationships, your relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship of all. That if you've got your relationship right with Christ, everything else will fall in place. He did no sin. No imperfection was within him. He's the son of the living God. Wrapped in flesh, died for your sins, rose again from the dead and said, listen, I want you to have life. And I want you to have it more abundantly. You may not be experiencing that life. You may not be walking in the abundance of the Lord. Your sins are not forgiven. And were you to die today, you're not sure you'd see the face of the Lord in peace. But God loves you. He loves you as you've never been loved before. He loves you so much that his son died for your sins, died in your place. He says, listen, I'm going to take over if you'll just let me. If you'll submit to me, if you'll become a part of me, if you'll abide in me, I'll take you to levels never conceived, never dreamed of. And when you pass from this earth, I'll be there waiting on you to carry you into eternity. For all of us must face an eternity either with God or without God. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you would say, Preacher, I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. Would you pray for me? Yes, I'll pray for you. And I know you desire prayer by the lifting of your hand. If you would say, I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I'll pray for you right where you stand. But I want you to raise your hand as your way of saying, preacher, pray for me. I want to know Jesus. I want to be sure that things are well between me and God. I want to go to heaven. And I want to be there throughout all eternity when I leave this earth. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Lift those hands high so that I can see them so I will know you desire prayer. Thank you. Keep those hands lifted, please. Lift those hands. Lift those hands. Your moment, your day, your time, your opportunity to come to know Jesus. Thank you. I see those hands. Lift them high. There are 10 more who need to lift their hands. Preacher, I want to be saved. I want Jesus in my life. I'm about to pray. Dear Lord, I pray for those whose hands are lifted. By your grace and mercy, you've brought us together. Your word has been proclaimed. We love you so much, dear God, for what you've done for us and for the opportunity you give us. And now, dear Lord, I pray that you'll complete your work in the lives of those whose hands are uplifted. I, I, I pray, dear God, that you will transform their lives and draw them to you for the rest of their lives on earth and throughout all of their eternity. I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I've been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sin. I believe that he arose from the dead. 
I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior and I give my life to him and I thank you Lord I thank you Lord I am saved I thank you Lord I am forgiven I thank you Lord I have new life praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness listen if you lifted your hand a moment ago lift that hand one more time lift it again and I want you to know your sins are forgiven Jesus Christ has become your Lord and your Christ for the rest of your life hallelujah Come on and praise the Lord. To those of you who lifted your hands, I want to shake your hand. I want to know you. I want to see. I want to make contact by faith regarding what God has done in your life and what you've received. I want your name because I want your name on my prayer list. I want to pray for you. I want to write you a letter this week, a letter of encouragement. I want to give you literature that you can read in the privacy of your own home. And so if you've lifted your hand, I want you to testify for Christ. I want you to let men know that you have committed your life to him by stepping out, coming, and standing before this altar. I want to greet you and give you literature, write you, and minister to you for a moment. Please come forward. If you lifted your hand, step out, come forward. Come forward from every corner of the room. Come forward quickly. Come forward, help them come, please. Come forward, please, come forward. Come forward, come forward. God bless you, man. Stand right there, please. Come forward, come forward, come forward. In the balcony, walk over to the sidewall. Come down the steps. Come forward, please. God bless you, God love you. Your time, your day. Come forward, please. Come forward. In the balcony, walk over to the right or left wall and come forward, please. God bless you. God bless you. Saints, let's pray.